Amen. All right. As I said, we're continuing our Daniel 11 series. Um, I'm going to send these notes in the chat. Now, what I'm going to cover is from previous notes that we had, just to bring up some, um, bring up some key points. So um, I'm not starting with these notes yet. Hopefully, we'll, we'll get to them. So if we remember, did anyone see it come? Okay, so if we remember, Daniel 11 is Daniel's last vision. Um, the book of Daniel is, a, is an interesting book connected with the book of Revelation. In Daniel's book, Daniel is dealing with the kings of the earth. And you can see that from Daniel chapter 1 where it says the king Nebuchadnezzar took the king Jehoiakim captive. So already the book of Daniel is introducing that the fears of Daniel, his testimony is going to be to the kings. So the Lord rose up Daniel to be an ambassador to the, na the prominent nations of, of his time. When you go to the book of Revelation, John was in, was in captivity on Patmos, showing God's people, that his church is in captivity, but the Lord cares for them. And John's message is for his church that's, that's dealing with captivity. Everyone's following? Mm -hmm. So John's message is dealing with the churches, while Daniel's message is dealing with the kings. He's captive to the kings, and John is captive. He's, he's on Patmos. He's captive to the, to the government of that time. But both their messages is for people that has to deal with um, civil leaders and religious leaders that's holding God's people captive. Everyone's following? Mm -hmm. So John's message is to the churches. And Daniel's message is to the kings of the earth. And so when you bring these two testimonies together, you have a message that's dealing with church and state. And when you go to Daniel 11, the theme continues of church and state. The, the time for Israel to, to come out of the captivity of, um, to come out from under the 70 years captivity in, in Babylon, Cyrus was to set them free. And Christ came with a revelation, um, uh, uh, and Gabriel called it the scriptures of truth, and Christ says in John 8, 32, is the truth that sets you free. So the Lord ties the last vision of Daniel with the freedom of his people. So the last vision of Daniel is all about the freedom of God's people. Amen? So, and, but the conflict shows that Satan hates to see God's people go free. So he wrestles with Christ. Uh, 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 when the time of their freedom comes, he wrestles with Christ on um, this long struggle of, for, for freeing his people. So, that, so Daniel's last vision gives us a clear illustration that the last battle is going to be a, a, a struggle to set God's people free. But like Daniel, we got we to gotta draw strength from Christ. As, um, as the song says, have we troubles anywhere? Take it to the Lord where? In prayer. What was Daniel doing? Prayer. Taking it to the Lord prayer. And in chapter 1, it opens up with Daniel... Um, um, surrender himself to, to, to Christ and his, his lifestyle of living, which was his diet. And in chapter 11, the last vision, you have another vision of Daniel's surrender to, to Christ in regards to prayer and also connected with diet. So in this last vision, we went over, if, if we remember, um, um, Swindon introduced Daniel 10, 11, saying, showing that was a great controversy. And then Rashad took up the first 11 verses. And then Romero took up the, the next 11 verses, and then Swindon had covered another 11, and we had stopped off, and he, he did, Swindon did about to 35, I believe. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to show that verses 30 to 36, and then 36 to 40, if we remember, 
30 to 36 was dealing with earth and 36 to 40 was dealing with heaven. It was the papacy that, that was holding the, the, the church captive and it was ruling over the kings of the earth. And um, if we remember, we had read William Miller was showing that one was church and one was state. The papal power took control of church and state. Um, uh, it, was, it was ruling over the church and state during the 1260 time period. And we had read some quotes where Ellen White says, we should remember this. In fact, I'm going to read some to try to refresh our memories on what she says. But the point is, from 36 down to 40, it takes you down to the, what do we always call it? The time of the end. Amen. It takes you down to the time of the end. So from 30 to 40, it runs you down to the time of the end, which we understand is what? The first part of it. 1798. 1798. Amen. And, and there's a second part, which is 1989. And what the Lord shows is that Daniel 1140 is broken into two parts. It's first and last. So from the moment you enter into Daniel 11:40 to 45 is dealing with first and last. Amen. Yeah. So from so so in first and last when you go to 1 Corinthians 10 is dealing with natural and what? Spiritual. spiritual. So already lets you know that Daniel 11:40 is dealing with natural and spiritual. But what should we desire to see first or understand first? First comes that which is natural, right? So, so we was going through Daniel 11 showing the natural histories so, um, so that later on we're going to come back and cover the spiritual history. But from time to time, we're going we're gonna to blend the, 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 two, the, two, the two thoughts. Amen? All right, so let's, this is not in the notes. Um, so we, we stopped at verse 40 the last time, and we're going to take a look at verse 41. That's what we're going to take a look at in verse 41. But we have to recap verse 40 because it's been some time and to walk into 41 and, and so forth. So with that being said, um, I'm going to read this next quote now. We read it before. This is from Daniel Revelations, page 222. It says, We now enter upon a prophecy of future events, clothed not in figures and symbols, as in the visions of chapters 2, 7, and 8, but given mostly in plain language, Many of the signal events of the world's history from the days of Daniel to the end of the world are here brought to view. So Uriah Smith says these are plain narratives and they're signal events. And if we remember, we went over signal events. It meant um, events that are, are, I want these key ones, eminent, remarkable, memorable, distinguished from what is ordinary. So the events of Daniel 11, they're memorable events. They're remarkable, and they're distinguished from what, are, what is ordinary. So these are not ordinary events. So when these events happen, nothing about them is ordinary. They're remarkable events that people just won't forget, which is what God intended. Amen? Because the Lord wants us to remember the former things. So he's going to make sure these events are remarkable and memorable so that people can remember it. And from the former things, he hopes to teach people the latter things. Uh, okay, so now I want to read what Haskell says about it. Notwithstanding the fact that Gabriel gives us a plain narrative, the very words he uses and the facts which he selects from the multitude of events which actually transpired have a significance. In reading God's word in any of its parts, there is first to be found the story which lies on the surface, and secondly, the deeper meaning which is just as truly there, but which must be sought for as with a lighted candle. It is hoped that the reader may at least catch a glimpse of the deep spiritual lessons while reading the plain narrative 
of events. So, so in these, there's first that which is on the surface, earthly, natural, and then the secondary, which is the heavenly, right? But we're going to look at these things. So now let's look at what, um, this is what William Miller has said about Daniel 1140. Because remember, we went last time through 30 to 36 and 36 to 40. And if anyone wants to know what was covered, we can just go look at those videos that are already up. And um, this is from Daniel 1140. And at the time of the end, shall the king of the south push at him. So this is the first part to this verse. And, and it's a plain narrative. Amen? This is a plain narrative. So we have to have a plain understanding on who the king of the north is. And we went over last time that in verse 30, I'm bringing in these points to refresh us. In verse 30, does anyone, can anyone explain verse 30? Oh, actually, not verse 30. I'm sorry, verse 29. Uh, uh, that's the one I want first. Amen. The moving of the seat. Yeah. And then what was verse 30 talking about? 30 was the second trumpet and Justinian um, put in the, the decree. Yeah, decree to make the Pope the head of all bishops and they went against the scriptures. Amen. Yeah. Okay, so that's what the Holy Covenant, right? Mm -hmm. And what was verse 31? 31 is Armstrong stand on his part. This is showing, actually, uh, as we know now, it's showing showing um the kings now 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 on the side of the church amen to go, go forward and um fight against the last three horns so verse 31 was the the taking away of the daily yeah, right yeah okay so the daily is removed so verse 29 constantine moved the seat uh -huh. the dragon gave him a seat verse 30 he was being given power and verse 31 arms is standing on his part yeah. amen so this is revelation 13 Seat, power, and great authority. And you, so you're seeing it in these three verses. So you see this transfer of government from pagan Rome, because pagan Rome was the one that was ruling. We put pagan Rome. This is just, I have to refresh these to go into 40. And then papal Rome. So pagan Rome gave its empire over to papal Rome. So this king, when pagan Rome was ruling, it was the king of the north from like verse, what is it, 16? Yeah, from like verse 16, for, was that for the time? No, that was 23, right? That was about 20, 23, 24, where it says yes. pagan Rome shall rule the world. Because pagan Rome had to conquer three things first. Mm -hmm. It had to take uh, the, Egypt, the e Egypt, Syria, Palestine. and yes, Palestine. Yeah. And Egypt was the last one it took in 31 BC. And then the scripture says yes. it shall rule the world for a time. And then you come to verse 29. And then it, it moves its seat, and that was the end of that time. And then the trumpets began to prepare to sound. So from that, the transfer of government began to go from the king of the north, pagan Rome, and it went over to the papacy as the king of the north. So when you go down from, 30, from 31 down to 40, the king of the north is, is the papacy. And the reason why I'm saying this is because it's still the plain narrative. Because this is still covering a plain narrative. So Daniel 11.40, Daniel 11, when you get down to verse 40, it's still dealing with that plain narrative about the king of the north. Amen? Okay, so now let's look at this, this quote from, from, from um, William Miller. It says, We have now arrived to the end of the third division of the angel's history 
For the next verse tells us, and at the time of the end, meaning the end of his power, to tread on the church by his civil authority, or reign over the kings of the earth, and landed you in the year A.D. 1798. When the Pope of Rome lost his civil power in the, in the, civil power in the beginning of the year 1798, on the 15th of February, a French general, Berthier, entered Rome with a French army without resistance, deposed the Pope, abolished the papal government, and erected the Republic of Italy. The Pope of Rome has exercised no more of his former power over any of the kings in Europe or in the Protestant churches. So in 1798, the, the, the papacy received this deadly wound. That's what happened in 1798. But the verse says, the king of the north shall come against him. And we went over verse 40 showing that the king of the north came back. And um, Ellen White says this in dealing with that verse. Um, let me pull it up. In dealing with that verse, she says, um, let me find it. Troublous times. She says, this is from 13MR. We have no, no time to lose. Troublous times are before us. The world is stirred with the spirit of war. Yes, what I'm reading is not in the notes. These are, we're just refreshing, going over some um, some old notes because it would it would be too much for me to bring in all these different notes. So I'm just refreshing our minds on what was said in, in previous videos. Now to catch up on what we're going over, we have the Daniel Levin series videos up where the introduction videos um, from one all the way down to 40, we have these videos already up on YouTube. So up on up on our channel. So what I'm really going over is just is just refreshing our minds and then preparing to go into to verse 41, which I, obviously I'm not going to get through all of it because it's, it's really a, a, a broad verse. So, But we're just going to walk our way down to it just to catch everyone up to speed. So yes, these are not in your notes, and we're going to read this and then go into the notes. Amen? So it says, We have no time to lose. Troublous times are before us. The world is stirred with the spirit of war. Soon the scenes of trouble spoken of in the prophecies will take place. The prophecy in the 11th of Daniel has nearly reached its complete fulfillment. Much of the history that has taken place in fulfillment of this prophecy will be repeated. In the 30th verse, a power is spoken of that shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the Holy Covenant. So shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the Holy Covenant. And this was verse 30. And the power that was grieved was pagan Rome. Pagan Rome was, was, was grieved and it had intelligence with those that forsook the Holy Covenant, which was the scriptures, and, and that was the bishops of Rome. So the pagan Rome had this intelligence and they came together conspiring to bring down the, 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 Aryan, um, the Aryan religions that, that, that they accepted the Aryan faith. And so those three powers, um, the barbarians, they were coming against them. So as a result, they joined hands to bring them down. So she says, scenes similar to these will be repeated. So when we come down to Daniel 11, when we come to the time when it's repeated, we're looking for power to be grieved at, 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 at somebody pushing at them. And in being grieved, they're going to have intelligence or, an, or form an alliance or a holy alliance with, 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 with um, those that forsake the holy covenant. And, that's, and what did we see in 1989? The very same thing. Very same thing. Oh, amen. And it's literally, they call it the Holy Alliance. Okay, so I, we, that's what we went over in the last video. 
And she says scenes similar to these, and she quotes verse 31 to 36. Um, and she wrote that in 1904. So Ellen White understood that Daniel 11 had nearly reached its complete fulfillment because she knew that they arrived in verse 40. But she knew that they arrived in 1798. Now, the reason why I'm going over this is that this is very important. So now let's go to the notes. Let's take a look at our notes. Okay, so let us read it. That was just a quick recap or refresher. And it says, and at the time of the end, 1798, amen? And, it's, and at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him and the king, and stop right there. So in 1798, that word push means war against. That's what that word means. So at the time of the end, the king of the south warred against the king of the north. Now in our last study, we went over the king of the south. If it's the south, there is Egypt. And when you go to, because the papacy is a, is a professed spiritual power, so that means it's another spiritual power is going to war against it, right? Mm -hmm. So when you go to um, Revelation 11, Revelation 11 and verse 6, um, verse 7, I'm sorry. It says, And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord is crucified. So in, in, in this verse, we see this spiritual power likened to Egypt, um, spiritually Egypt, and, and it was waging war against the Bible. So um, we're, we read in Great Controversy that Satan used Catholicism to war against the Bible, and near its close, the spirit of, of atheism, atheists of France came out to war against the Bible, or, or, or against the churches of that time. And that power took down the papacy in 1798. But the Bible says the deadly wound is going to be what? Healed. Healed. And Christ declares the end from the beginning. So remember, when you get to this verse, is the first and the last. So it's not, so Ellen White says, go, go where? To 30 to 36, to go look at where it was first risen up, and you'll have an understanding of how it will last rise up. Amen. So 1798 is the, is, the, is the deadly wound. 1989 begins this rising up. Because Christ declares. So this is the revelation of Christ. This is Christ revealing this, this, this to us. Amen. So as you go on, um, go back to our notes. It says, verse 41 says, He shall enter also into the glorious land. Now all of this is, is, is important. And how does he enter into the glorious land with chariots and ships um, and many and, and horsemen? horsemen. Um, let me read that again. Um, he, shall enter into the, he shall enter into the countries, sorry, with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships. So he enters into the glorious land with chariots and horsemen and many ships. And we went over showing that this is armies and this is economics. So this is how he's going to come, come against them. There's a lot of things we can bring out of this. Like I said, these natural views designed to take our minds where? Heaven. To heaven. So in the near future, by the grace of God, we plan on covering the, the heavenly or the spiritual aspect of this where you can see this is a battle between Christ and who? And Satan. And Satan pushes against Christ, and Christ come against him how? With chariots and horsemen and many ships. And you can tie that to Revelation what? 18. 
and 19 because they go together. Because um, it's, it's great light and, and riches, the armies of heaven. Yeah, but it's, it is tied to 19 too. So, but we're just doing this plain narrative. So let us continue. He enters into the glorious land. And if we remember, when we were away for the week, um, Swinon and I, we went over the glorious land. And the word glorious there means um, in the sense of prominence, splendor, beautiful, and goodly. So he enters into the most prominent land. That's where he enters into this prominent land. And all one have to do is go back to like verse 16 with Pompeii 17, where Pompeii, he entered into the glorious land, where Rome entered into the glorious land, and it says, by his hand, it shall be consumed. And Eloi says, much of this history will be repeated. So when you're dealing with 40 to 45, what you're dealing with is just repeat of history. Verse 40 to 45 is just a repeat of history. But I want us to notice something. We just said that verse 40 deals with 1798 and 1989. Verse 41, we, um, if we, we, I want to encourage us to watch the Glorious Land studies that we did because these paved the way for this. We showed that the Glorious Land, what was it? Anyone remember? It was the United States. Amen? Yes. The Glorious Land in this verse is the, yes, it's the United States. Now, we, we had showed that in our, in our last studies, if I go back through that, um, we wouldn't make it through, through a lot. So I'll just mention these points. So I just want to encourage us to watch our, the series dealing with the glorious land. It deals specifically, it, it's all about showing how the United States is the glorious land. And we went over showing that in ancient Israel, um, the, the, in, ancient, in ancient Israel, God gave them a glorious land. He gave them the goodly land, which was Palestine. And, and, but when they, when, they cruci um, when they crucified Christ, Christ, the, the old system and that government was swept away to make way for the heavenly government and, and the heavenly system because the natural was only to point to the spiritual. So Christ went to, to heaven, the heavenly Canaan, but his church needed what? A land. His church needed a land. Just like the, his church on the earth the first time had a land, Christ had to get his church on his, his church, the Christian church, he had to give them a land. But just like, just like um, the, the Jewish church, they didn't get a land until they go into captivity because the Lord is trying to teach us first the cross, then the what? Yeah. Then the crown. So the Christian church had to go to the cross, and then they get the crown, which is, which is the, the, the land. They get to get the kingdom. Amen? So they went into captivity in, in, in Egypt, and then Christ gave them the land. So the Christian church... They went into captivity to 1260, and they came out with Christ giving them the glorious land, the United States of America. And, and this land, they were to worship God. They had civil and religious liberty. And, and we went over in the last video showing that the spirit of New Jerusalem above um, is, um, let's read it. It's in Galatians, Galatians 4. Galatians 4. Is everyone following? Amen. Yeah, this is just a recap. Now I'm going over. In Galatians 4, verse 26, it says, But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. And we read the text that says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So the Spirit of Jerusalem above is, is, is what is, is, is the presence. Um, the presence of the glorious land is to have religious and civil liberty, which is only manifest in the presence, the presence of Jerusalem above. So this is what makes the United States prominent because it has the presence of, of, of God with her, 
which is Religious and Civil Liberty, the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights. And Ellen White says this is the secret of her power and prosperity. And the secret of the Jews' power and prosperity was their kings and their worship service. But when the kings transgressed, the nation went into captivity. But God still allowed them to have their what? Their religious service. But the religious service was, was in subjection. Instead of to their own free king, they were in subjection to the kings of the earth. Until who? Until Christ comes to get the kingdom. So, yeah, until he comes and takes the kingdom. But until that time, his church is to be under these civil kings because the Jews, um, they, they, they lost that, that, that liberty. The Lord took that from them, but he left them with their religious. Their religious. Many lessons can be, can be shown in that. So as we go back now to our notes, so when he enters into the glorious land, the United States, well, we now understand, well, how does he enter into the glorious land? How, how does he do that? Go to Matthew 24. Go to Matthew 24. Let's look at Matthew 24 and verse 15. And it says, Matthew 24, verse 15. Sorry. It says, um, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Dan the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso read it, let him what? Let him understand. And that word stand is set up. When you shall see the abomination of desolation set up, in the holy place, whoso reading, let him understand. And the abomination of desolation was the pagan symbol. It was a, it was a symbol of their, religi their religious symbol. When you go to Luke 21, Luke says, when you shall see the armies. So when you see the religion and you see the armies standing where, standing where it ought not, whoso read it, let him understand. And this should bring our mind to what? Church and state. Daniel 11 is dealing with the civil, the civil aspect of the king of the north, while Revelation 13 is dealing with what? It's religious aspect. And that's why when you go to Revelation 13, it says they worship him. But what Daniel 11 is, is not showing you the worship part. It's showing you the war. Amen. It's showing you. Amen. So, so, and who wars? Kings go to war. So in Revelation, Revelation 13 is showing you a spiritual war, a religious war, while Daniel 11 is showing you a civil, but it's connected to a religious war. As, as, as well. Everyone's following? So when you see this standing where it ought not, whoso read it, let him understand. So that means when verse 41 takes place, Dan, the book of Daniel opens up more. Because it says, whoso read it, let him what? Let him understand. So now look at this line, if everyone has here. I want us to see something here. We just says, said that this is 1798, verse 40. So I'm just going to write it up here. 1798, and I should have put it, but it's okay. And this is the 10th day of the seventh month. And this is the first, and this is the last. Verse 41 is the Sunday law. So from, from here to here is just what? Verse 40. Yeah. You're just dealing with verse 40. Why is that? Because verse 41 is a fulfillment of the what? The third angel's message. Amen? That's what's fulfilled because it says any man worship the what? 
the beast or his image. This is what Revelation, the third angel, is pointed to, the worshiping of the beast and his image. So verse 41 is, is specifically dealing with the Sunday law. But there's something that God's people must understand prior to get into verse 41. Okay, so now go into this note. Let's, let's look at the note some more. Um, so we just went over ancient Israel is, is modern, is um, pointing to the United States as a glorious land. So when you go down now to, in the notes, just go down to page 6, the bottom of page 6, the bottom of page 6. It says, many who embraced the third message had not had an experience in the two former messages. Satan understood this, and his evil eye was upon them to what? To overthrow them. But the third angel was pointing them to the most holy place, and, and those who had had an experience in the past messages were pointing them the way to the heavenly sanctuary. Many saw the perfect chain of truth in the angel's messages and gladly received them in their order and followed Jesus by faith into the heavenly sanctuary. These messages were represented to me as an anchor to the people of God. Those who understood and received them will be kept from being swept away by the many delusions of Satan. So what must everyone understand before the, 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 the Sunday law? The first and the second. And she says it's one, two, three, and these are represented as an anchor to the people of God. And she says many who embrace the third um, had not had an experience in the first and the second. And sa Satan understood this, and his evil eye was upon them to do what? Overthrow. So go back to page one of the notes. Go back to page one. And let's look at this. Um, verse 41. He shall enter into the glorious land, and many... Many shall be what? Overthrown. overthrown. Why are they overthrown? Because they, um, they hadn't received the first and second. They didn't receive the first and the second. So Daniel 11.40, when you come down to 17.98, is dealing with the first and the second. She says the seven thunders represent a delineation event which transpired where? Under the first and the second. So when you get to verse 40, and it says the king of the north shall come back, what do we come back under? The first and the second. So when you come back down here, it's the first, first angel's message, just like it arrived in, in 1798, that was the first part. Because that one was taking you to, to where? It was taking you down to where Christ goes into where? The sanctuary. But this one is about Christ is going to reign as king. So if he's going to reign as king, this one is showing you what? Christ coming out of the sanctuary. Okay, Amen? Right. It's the, the, Lord, the Lord is showing us that the first and second has two parts. Just like yes. Amen. Civil, it had, I mean, church it's side church side. And a, oh, oh, that's nice. That Amen. Side that's, and nice. Side. So that's nice. That's nice. That is why we have to go over it. And I like this because Amen. now... Um, now, we can use this to show men why we go over first and second in our time. Again. That is really nice, bro. But Praise yeah, God. This Amen. Because it makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense because in our time, it's only showing the laws of kings. The, the main thing we're Amen. looking at at this time is the laws of kings. Amen. Because, because in our time, we have a Sunday law where Amen. the laws of kings are now influenced by, by the church power. Amen. So, yeah, that that's, that's really nice. nice. So, from 1798, what do we see? Yeah, we see the church yeah. falling. And, and in 1989, what are we seeing? The state falling. And, amen. 
Amen. So what is the fall? What was the reason for the church fall? Babylon, the papacy. So what is the reason for the state's fall? Babylon, the papacy. Amen. So we're seeing it. Christ declares the, fir, the, the last from the first. Amen. So this is why this, this Satan understands this. He knows that if we don't get this part, if we don't have this part and we don't get this part, then we're overthrown at this part. Amen. So his efforts is to prevent people from understanding this and this, church and state. It is, I like that thought. That's really nice. So from 1798, what I like, though, is this one, this church one, this is grace. Amen. And this last one is what? Glory. We must understand this one. We must understand Christ's grace and, uh, in order to have a good understanding of his what? Of the glory. So that's why we have to go over this first and then go over and make sure that people have a good understanding of the, the template of Millerite history. And that once you see this, there's no way you can't see this because all it is is a pattern. It's just a, the last is just a pattern. It, the last is just, it's just the antitype of the first pattern that Christ gave. You go ahead. Okay, so the first time we're showing the grace on the church side. The second time we're showing the grace on the on the state side as well. Amen. Because then when the Son of Law comes, now you'll see the the um the the, the glory. Yeah, on, on both the church and state side at the same time. Amen. So, because you have to receive both. Amen. Amen. You have to receive both. So I I really as I, the Lord was just showing that as we was going over it. So Daniel eleven forty in these two parts is church and state. The first part, 1798, the church fell. We've been going over this for a long time, but the Lord has just put in more meat on, on this. So, and now you come to 89, it's definitely the state going down. But we don't have time to take us down to the Civil Sunday Law. We don't have time. We have to follow the narrative of events. The Lord is trying to teach us how to read the signs of the time. So verse 41 is specifically dealing with the Sunday Law. So between 40 and 41, you have the repeat of the first and the second. Amen? This is really where Christ wanted to take the Adventist church, right down to the Sunday law, meaning, man, we would have entered into the, 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 the Christ would have came long ago. But because, his, but because his people forgot the old paths, the Lord, it, the Lord put the old paths right there in Daniel 1140, forcing us to go back over it. So it, it's, not a, it's, not, it, it's, it's right on time. When Jeff came up in 96 and he gave a message talking about going back to Millerite history, and by doing that, he was able to see how Daniel 1140 to 45 was being opened up. And the Lord showed him in verse 41 that the Sunday law was the next event to take place in verse 40. But, but we didn't understand that in order for that to happen, we need an experience in the first and the second. Amen? We have to have an experience because it says Satan eyes upon those that don't have that experience to overthrow them. So the Lord is here now giving us this experience, leading us down to a civil Sunday law. This is an assurance that we're going to really see a civil Sunday law. We have to because we saw in October, because the church fell on um, the church, um, crucified Christ October 22nd. So the United States of America, when they put in the civil Sunday law, they're already on that journey to... to um, to, to pass a national Sunday law. And when the national Sunday law is passed, Matthew 24, 15 says, Christ says, whoso read it, let him understand. But in order to understand, you need to have a knowledge of the first and the second, leading you down to the third. So going back now to our notes, go back down to the anchor. Um, <clears throat> go back down to the anchor 
that was page six. So she says, um, the anchor, these messages were represented to me as an anchor to the people of God. Those who, those who what? Understand. Understand and receive them will be kept from being swept away by the many delusions of Satan. So before we reach 41, we have to understand and receive the first and the second. We just have to. There's no way around it. So this tells us the people who are overthrown in 41, they don't understand the first and the second. Those are, well, how, why are they overthrown when the Lord gave them many opportunities from here all the way down to here to understand the first and the second? It is, if there's anything we should be doing, it's making sure we understand the first and the second because we'll be kept from the many delusions. So many delusions is going to come at the Sunday law. So the reason people are going to be overthrown is because of the many delusions and, and, and so forth. So let's look at anchor. It means an anchor, an, an iron instrument for holding a ship or other vessel at rest in water. In a figurative sense, that which gives stability or security, that on which we place dependence for safety. Cord. Say it again. It's the cord. Oh, yes. Uh, amen. Yes, you place your whole weight. Amen. And it says yeah. that the Lord has um, whole. let us out this far. As amen. Well. Yeah, amen. The Lord is our anchor, right? Amen. He holds the cord. So test many. The Sabbath will be the great test of loyalty, for it is the point of truth especially controverted. When the final test shall be brought to bear upon men, then the line of distinction will be drawn between those who serve God and those who serve him not. So verse 41 is marking this line of distinction. Line this. Distinction. And what, what distinguishes us, you learn from October 22nd, it was the Sabbath. And it's nice because at that time, um, a reed. Like unto a rod. rod. Oh, yeah, it's a line. Yeah, yeah, Amen. Reed, yeah, and then he was like, right, four, it was a measuring rod. Yeah, rod. Amen. Oh, that's nice. So, you have a reed like in onto a rod right here, this line. Of distinction Amen. for verse 41 is a, is this is this line this is this dividing line between between um, God's people and and Satan's people um, so continue on with the note so distinction it now what we're gonna look at is the lesser light and by the grace of God I hope to go back into Daniel 11 41 where we can tie in more of the, the the greater light um, to, 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 to to I mean we just went through meant a few texts to bring that in but I want us to show how Ella White, she, she, she marks this, she highlights this point very clearly um, for us when we reach this point. So distinction, the act of separating or distinguishing, a note or mark of difference, difference made, a separation or disagreement in kind or qualities by which one thing is known from another. We observe a distinction between matter and, matter and spirit. A, distinct, a distinction between matter and spirit, a distinction between the animal and vegetable king, kingdoms, a distinguishing between, distinguish, distinction between good and evil, right and wrong, between sound reasoning and sophistry. So this is going to be a very clear revelation between right and wrong, good and evil, Sabbath and Sunday. It's going to be too clear for any to miss, but the reason why it's going to be clear is because we have an understanding of the first and the second. That brings us down to the to the third. Um, 
Sunday keeping is not yet the mark of the beast and will not be until the decree goes forth, causing men to worship this idle Sabbath. The time will come when this, this day will be the test, but that time has not come. Um, there is a spirit of, uh, you can go down to the bowl where it says, just as soon as God's people are sealed and prepared for the shaking, it will come. Indeed, it has begun already. The judgments of God are now upon the land to give us warning that we may know what is coming. Um, and go down to this next one now. This one is going to make sense for us, this experience that we're now having. Remember, that this first experience of 1798 down to October 22nd, 1844, was designed to bring us into the, to the sanctuary. This experience, from, as I'm understanding, from 1989 down to the civil Sunday law is really to bring in civil persecution. This first one brought in religious persecution. This one brings in civil persecution. But because we're, we're in the Seventh-day Adventist church, when we teach return back to the old path, what are we going to deal with? Religious persecution. Amen. Yeah, we're going to deal with both to some degree, but we don't touch the state yet. But we are, because what are they going to do? Deliver you up. Amen. They're going to deliver you up. So the, the Millerite history, they weren't dealing with civil persecution. They were dealing with religious persecution. But our history is dealing, with, like Rashad said, with religious and civil. But because we're not yet ready for what? Civil persecution. We deal with religious persecution. So by going over the old path, we're gaining an experience in religious persecution under the first and the second. Amen? We're in the first and the second. But we're going to need the other one of civil persecution. And what is the Lord preparing us to do? Give a message to the what? Civil powers. Which is going to prepare the way for what? Civil persecution. Amen? So, so the Lord is making sure before civil persecution, we must experience religious persecution. When the Sunday law comes, is the combining of civil and religious persecution. But those who have an experience already with civil and religious persecution, they have been prepared to do what? Stand during that time. So if we don't have, so is the teaching of the message is what brings that experience that prepares us for that Sunday law experience. Amen. So that's why we have to go over the first and the second. So this is I, I was I, I was trying to qualify this quote that we're about to read. It says the days are fast approaching when there will be great perplexity and confusion. Satan clothed in angel robes will deceive, if possible, the very elect. There will be God's many and Lord's many. Every wind of doctrine will be blowing. Those who have rendered supreme homage to, the, to science falsely so-called will not be the leaders then. Those who have trusted to intellect, genius, or talent will not then stand at the head of rank and file. They did not what? Keep pace with the light. Those who have proved themselves unfaithful will not then be entrusted with the flock. In the last solemn work, few great men will be engaged. They are self-sufficient, independent of God, and he cannot use them. The Lord has faithful servants who, in the shaken testing time, will be what? Disclosed of you. Distinguished. Okay. Now let's look at this next one. This is what, why we made the statement of showing these two experiences. Look at this next quote. The time is not far distant. If y'all remember, when the test will come. And what is that test? Sunday law. The Sunday law. 
So verse 41 is the test. Because it says many are overthrown. So if you're overthrown, you were tested. So the Sunday law is the test. The Sunday law is marking, I mean, verse 41 is marking the Sunday law test. That's what verse 41, when he enters into the glorious land, test begins right there. When? Then. And so she says this, the time is not far distant. Um, I don't know what year she wrote that. When the test will come to every soul, the mark of the beast will be urged upon us. Those who have what? Step by step yielded to what? Worldly demands and custom to world to worldly worldly demands and conform to worldly customs will not find it a hard matter to yield to the powers that be rather than subject themselves to derision, insult, threaten, imprisonment, and death. The contest is between, do y'all see what she said? We have to experience this before the Sunday law. We have, amen. So remember, we need an experience in religious persecution, and we need an experience in civil persecution. So she says, those who have yielded, just read it carefully. She says, before that time come, she says, those who have yielded to worldly demands, what worldly demands? You get vaccinated. Yeah, absolutely. Wasn't that a worldly demand? Yes, Didn't the whole world have to give in to that? Mm -hmm. So those who are yielding to it, this quote applies to them. And now they're trying to get us to yield to, 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 to the, the same-sex marriage law. Yeah. So they're trying to get the world to... What, so Satan is preparing people to receive the mark of the beast. Mm -hmm. He's preparing because if you're giving into it now, you're only, you're only setting the stage for then. So you have to resist when? Now. now. But how are you going to resist without something? What is going to help you resist? The first and the second. And because she says we got to keep pace with the what? Keep pace with the light. And at the time of the end, light comes. And there's to be in what? Increase of knowledge. So it's that increase of knowledge that's going to keep us from not giving into worldly demands like the coronavirus. So the Lord is literally giving his people an experience in civil persecution. That's what's taking place now. So we can't give into these worldly demands and policies that they're trying to impose upon us. So to some degree, that's why we have to oppose some of them. Amen? That's why we have to speak out against some of these policies that we see because the natural teaches the what? The spiritual. Marriage, natural, and then the what? Sabbath, spiritual. So going on, she says, Rather than subject themselves to derision, insult, threaten, imprisonment, and death. Um, that's what happened to us. We were threatened with imprisonment. The death part, I don't, I don't know how to see that one before um, the Sunday law. But it says, the contest is between the commandments of God and the commandments of men. In this time, the gold will be separated from the dross in the church. True godliness will be clearly distinguished from the appearance and tinsel of it. Many a star that we have admired for its brilliancy will then go out in darkness. Chaff like a cloud will be borne away on the wind. Even from places where we see only floors of rich wheat, all who assume the ornaments of the sanctuary but are not clothed with Christ's righteousness will appear in the shame of their own nakedness. This is a clear quote. So she says, when this time comes, um, a separation begins. Separation begin, marking for us verse 41 being that test. How long was that so far? 14 minutes. Uh, 
what that is. Uh, I don't want to be too long. Okay. Okay. Um, go to the next quote. The, the bowl. I believe with all my heart that the Spirit of God is being withdrawn from the world. And those who have had great light and opportunities and have not improved them will be what? The first to be left. They have grieved away the Spirit of God, the present, the present activity of Satan in working upon hearts and upon churches and nations should startle every student of prophe prophecy. Working upon where? The churches and nations. Daniel the nations, Revelation the churches. So this is the war against church and state. He's making war upon the nation right now. That's what is happening. And pretty soon he's going to make war upon the what? The churches. That's, that's, that's where we are heading to next. And these things, she said, should startle us because they should let us know that prophecy is being fulfilled at this very moment. Go down to this next quote. It says, the, the great light, um, that's what she talked about. Um, read the whole thing. Many have looked upon these belonging to other churches as great sinners. When the Lord does not thus regard them, those who look thus upon the members of other churches have need to humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. Those whom they condemn may have had but little light, few opportunities and privileges. If they had had the light that many of the members of our churches have had, they might have advanced at a far greater rate and have better represented their faith to the world. Of those who boast of their light and yet fail to walk in it, Christ says, but I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, Seventh-day Adventists, who have had great light, which are exalted unto heaven in point of what? Privilege. Privilege. And she says, those who have been given great light are the first to be left. Yeah. So when this test comes, it's it's, 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 who's the first that haven't keep pace with the light? Seventh-day Adventists. So, the, so verse 41, the many who are overthrown are Adventists. Many um, I'm going to just put apostate Adventists or nominal Adventists. Yes. Nominal Adventists. She says they're the first to be left because the judgment begins where? At the house of God first. That's what it says. So those who have been given great light leading down from and 1798 down to October 22nd, this is the light for the church. But 1989, the second part of the first, second, and third angel's message has come to give us light to prepare us for the, for the conflict between church and state. And those who are keeping pace with this light are being prepared to stand in that time or be tested in when, that, when that time comes. Um, so going down to, these, to this last quote, and then we'll close out here. The time has come for the true light to shine amid moral darkness. The third angel's message has been sent forth to the world, warning men against receiving the mark of the beast, or of his image in their foreheads, or in their hands. To receive this mark means to come to the same decision as the beast has done, and to advocate the same ideas in direct opposition to the word of God. Of all who receive this mark, God says, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture, into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. When the law of God is made void, the next quote, 
The church will be sifted by fiery trials, and a larger portion than we now anticipate will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. But what does it mean to receive the mark? To come to the, to the same decision as the beast has done, and to advocate the same ideas. And that's what we're seeing happening from 1989 down to the Civil Sunday Law. The beast has his ideas, and since 89, America has adopted those ideas and began to advocate those same ideas and those same teachings. So this is, that was a sign to us that we're on our way down to the, to the Sunday Law crisis. So verse 41 is specifically marking the beginning of the Sunday Law, but between that time, verse 40 is dealing with the first and the second. And 41 is the empowerment of the third angel's, um, the third angel's message when he enters into the glorious land. So I pray that, um, that these thoughts brought forth. This is just a basic introduction to Daniel 1141. Um, by the grace of God, as we continue on, we'll hope to bring more thoughts um, out concerning it um, in the near future, building up on the remaining verses of Daniel 1140. So if there's no more thoughts and questions, um, let us close out with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you there, Lord, for being with us this evening. And um, for we want to thank you for manifesting your presence amongst us and helping us to understand um, some of these gems, O oh Lord, in which you've given to us. Please, Lord, help us to walk in the light and keep pace with the light. And I ask, O oh Lord, that you would please um, forgive us of our sins and that you would create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. We pray and ask, O oh Lord, that you help us to develop these thoughts and that more light will come out of it as you've opened up some wonderful thoughts to us um, this evening concerning um, um, the, the time of the end, Daniel 11.40. I pray and ask, O oh Lord, that you would help us to develop these themes um, so that we can um, receive wonderful things from out of your law. Please be with us. May you bless us for the remainder of this week um, as, as the week progresses, and may you help us to be prepared for the Sabbath as it approaches. And we thank you once again, O oh Lord, and, and please um, may you grant those of us traveling mercies um, to, to our respective places, and I pray that you bless everyone here with a peaceful night's rest. And those who watch these videos, O oh Lord, we pray and ask that they will be blessed as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.